Well, it is a joy to also welcome you here today. If we have not met, my name is David, and I want to welcome those here at 930, those at the Well and at the Well Cafe uh, this morning. Uh, I love July because July is the month of the faithful. I mean, the people who come to church in July really, really love Jesus. And I just want to thank you for being those people. This is the honors class. So good job. It's great to see you here. It's so hot, people are afraid to go outside, you know. So I appreciate you being here. And because this is the honors class, I'm going to invite you to, uh, to, to find a Bible. If you didn't bring one with you, you can find a blue Bible in all of our worship spaces. We're going to look at three passages of scriptures today because, again, this is the honors class and I think you can handle it. Uh, you're going to see it here on the screen and uh, you might just jot these down on the back of your uh, bulletin as well. I'd love for you just to have these um, for you to take with you today. Uh, and after I read these two, you'll, you'll understand why I think these three passages will not only be a blessing to you today, but, but perhaps one, uh, uh, these will be passages you want to come back to over and over again. Uh, while you're doing that, let me lift up just a few things to you. If you were here at the beginning of our service, you heard about uh, the mission team that we have leaving on Tuesday to go to Rwanda. And if you don't know, Rwanda is a long way away. Uh, They've got quite a journey ahead of them. July 10th through 19th, at 10, those 10 days, they'll be there representing us, our entire church family, uh, as they meet and celebrate the orphan communities that we are sponsoring in our partnership with Zoe Ministry. And I, what I want to specifically lift up to you is Tuesday at 1.30 here in our main sanctuary, we're going to have a time of prayer and sending for that group. So if you're free Tuesday at 1.30, I'd love for you to come by. Uh, it's not going to be very long, but, uh, but very meaningful time for us to, uh, to pray over uh, those who represent us uh, in what they're going to do. I had the chance to be a part of that trip in 2015, uh, and, and, and really, as they meet these kids, these, the, part of what they want to do is just say thank you to the people who are helping them into a whole new life, and, and, and they represent us in receiving those, those thanks and being able to celebrate all the good things that those kids are doing. So again, Tuesday, 1.30, uh, but even if you can't be here at that time, Ju uh, July 10th through July 19th, please remember that team in your prayers. The other thing I want you to know about is United Mission Week, uh, our annual week of serving for high school students and junior high students is just a week away. And they want to kick off, they decided to kick off this year's United Mission Week in a very special way. Uh, we're going to be doing a blood drive here next Sunday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. This is what our students wanted to do uh, to begin United Mission Week uh, and to celebrate, honor, and remember the life of Amanda Ferguson. And so we appreciate our students leading us in that. They're inviting us to be a part of it. So if you're able to give blood, you can do that next week again uh, in memory of Amanda. If you were here last week, uh, you heard a little bit of Amanda's story. Uh, Amanda served as our special needs director, recently passed away uh, after a long battle with bone cancer. Uh, and in hearing her story last week, part of what I wanted you to hear was uh, her own expression of how her life was changed because of this church. Uh, here in this church, her life was changed. Uh, she, out of that life change, uh, discovered a, a ministry that she never expected to find, working with special needs individuals and their families. And, and also out of that, in the, in the video message that I shared with you, she spoke about the joy uh, that, 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 that she found in her life, joy that carried her all throughout her life because of that change that she experienced. Uh, here in, in this church. And I wanted you to hear Amanda's story as an expression of what we talked about last week when we think about joy and, and these two different ways of, of, of thinking about this word that we, that we commonly use. In our common language, we said that 
we often think of joy as an emotion that is based on circumstance. It's a word that we use interchangeably with the word happiness. But when we bring that word joy, and when we think about it within the context of our faith, it's, it's actually something quite different than that. We think about joy as a habit that is based on relationship. I told you last week we were going to talk a little bit more about this idea. And in particular, these three words. What do we mean by habit? And what do we mean by relationship? So the first thing I want to invite you to do is to think about your absolute worst habit. Okay, that, that thing in your life that you really, really would like to change. If you had a magic wand and you could make something disappear from your life, you could completely eliminate it, this is the habit that you would want to get rid of. And, and go ahead and take a moment, turn to your neighbor and tell them what that is. I'm just kidding, don't do that. You don't have to confess. But I want you to think about it because in thinking about it, my guess is that part of the reason you would describe it as your worst habit is because of how much you have done to break it and you have been unsuccessful in that process. You have perhaps taken very drastic action to change that particular habit, but you have not been able to see that realized in your life. If your habit is snacking in the middle of the day or you like chips, whatever it might be. Maybe you've taken a garbage bag through the house at some point in your life. Then you filled it up with all those things in the pantry that you don't want to be tempted by anymore. And you've thrown them away and you've thought the temptation is gone. I'm free. Then you went to the grocery store and it just got worse, you know. Uh, so you've probably taken drastic action. And I want you to think about that we, we've all, we all know what that's like. Because we're all human beings who, who, who think in this way and are wired in this way. We all know this idea, uh, uh, we know how hard habits are to break. In other words, we know that habits are stubborn things. They're stubborn, they're things that, that we're, regardless of how hard we try, sometimes we just feel like we're never gonna be able to break free of this, this particular habit. Some of you may have uh, heard about the sign, uh, I don't know if it's still there, but it's a, it, it's a historical sign that was on the Alaskan highway connecting the continental United States to the state of Alaska, a dirt, a dirt highway. And at a critical juncture on that highway was a sign that read, be careful which rut you choose because you'll be in it for the next 200 miles. <laughs> and habits are kind of like that, right? It's like a rut in our life. And the, and the longer the habit remains in our life, the deeper the rut grows, the more difficult it is for us to, to break free from that. But before we get all depressed, thinking about those habits that we can't break, let me also invite you to consider that while all of us have bad habits, we all also have lots of really, really good and positive habits in our life. Now, we don't think about them as much because we don't want to change them. We, we tend to focus on the ones that we'd like to eliminate from our life, but, but all of us have good habits in our life that are actually life-giving, positive, wonderful things that we do on a consistent basis rather than a rut that we are stuck in that we can't break free of that's, that, that, that creates uh, negative consequences in our life. They're a rut in our life that actually continues to keep us on the path that, uh, that leads to positive impact on our life. Jesus says in Matthew 7, uh, wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, but, but, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and very few find it. And that's a warning. It's, it's certainly meant to be heard that way, but, 
But when you think about that Alaskan highway sign, be careful which route you choose, you can also hear that as a word of encouragement. Because if you in your life can find the right rut, if you can develop the right habits in your life, that rut no longer is something that impedes you, holds you back, but it's something that protects you and, and keeps you on the road that leads, that leads to life. And all that's to say this, that joy properly nurtured can also become a stubborn thing in your life. You may never have thought of joy that way, but that's, as we think about the habits of our life and we think about relationship, joy properly nurtured can also become a stubborn thing. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about joy as a habit that is based on relationship. Something that can become a positive rut in your life, keeps you on the right track, a stubborn thing in your life that develops over the course of time. So what do we mean by our relationship? Well, here's the obvious statement. We're talking about a relationship with God. Uh, who's surprised by that, that the pastor would encourage you to have a relationship with God? Uh, most of us would say, oh, well, that's kind of a good thing. I'd like to have a relationship with God. But how do you do that? What, is, what does that even mean? How do you develop a relationship with God? What does it even mean to live in relationship with God? And that's where our scriptures come in for today. We're going to be reading three passages from three of Paul's letters these are letters originally written by the Apostle Paul to different communities of Christians in the first century world. So these are the, some of the first people to say yes to Jesus. And Paul writes these letters to deal with specific issues, to uh, offer instruction around uh, particular themes. The other thing that Paul does in all of, almost all of his letters, I think it's in, in every single one of them, he speaks about the prayers that he is praying for these various communities. And what you see as you look across the various letters is there are certain themes to Paul's prayers. There are things that he is, he wants them to know. I am specifically praying that this will come to fruition in your life. And it's not because Paul couldn't come up with new things to pray about. It's because they speak to the way Paul understood what it meant to live in relationship with God. So I'm going to read these through, uh, just straight through, all three of them. And I want you to just listen for some common themes. Listen, listen for the common thread. I'll point out a few things to you uh, when we read the last one. But think about how Paul understands relationship. What does it mean to have a relationship with God? A relationship that can cultivate in us a joy that can become a stubborn thing in our life. So we're going to begin with Ephesians chapter 3. And again, just listen for those things as Paul shares his prayers. Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14, Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his, God's glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Philippians chapter one. Uh, Paul begins to speak about what he's praying for this community all the way back in verse 3. 
He talks about praying with joy because of their partnership. He talks about the confidence that he has that the God who began a good work in you, that God is going to complete that work in you. And then we get to verse 9. He says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And then Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 again verse 9, Paul says this, for this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he, God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now you can go back later, just look at those three passages, those three prayers, and one of the things that you might do is just underline the words that you find uh, repeated among the three different prayers, the, the, the emphasis that Paul offers. But let me, just, let me just point out a few of those to you today. The first is that as Paul describes or understands a relationship with God, he understands it as a relationship that's grounded in love. Did you hear the word love? repeated over and over again. The relationship that God wants to develop with you, that God wants to develop with me, that God wants to develop with all of humanity according to the Christian scriptures, it is a relationship that is grounded in love and nothing else. This is the only thing, uh, only foundation on which a relationship with God can be built. Because God will not build a relationship with us that is grounded or founded on anything else. It's part of what makes a relationship with God different than any and all relationship we've ever experienced in our life. Because it's not about expectation. It's not about performance. It's not about, well, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. It's not about how we think of almost every other relationship in our life, what someone may do for us and what we might do for them. It begins, it's grounded, it only grows from the foundation of God saying, I love you. And I don't care whether you like that or not, I love you. God's love is not based on what you have done, what others may be impressed to see on your life's resume. It is grounded only in the fact that God created you, God loves you, and God wants to share life with you. God created you, God loves you, God wants to share life with you. That's what this relationship is grounded in. That's the foundation of this relationship. Anything else that we might want to be at the center of that, God says, I'm not interested in that. That's not the relationship that I desire with you. It is grounded only in the love that God has for each and every one of us. 
But also notice that this love, according to Paul, he speaks about it in a way that's a little bit different than how we might commonly use this word. It's more than emotion and affection. So the goal of the Christian life is not that you would feel more loving feelings towards God. That you would, as you follow Jesus, would learn to smile all the time because you just feel such wonderful, loving thoughts about God. It may include that for sure, but notice that when Paul speaks about love, he speaks, he adds in there words that we may not immediately associate with love, like knowledge and insight and wisdom. In other words, while we think about love residing right here in the heart, Paul thinks about love as being something that comes from the depths of our souls. It includes not only how we feel, but also how we think. Knowing that how we think and how we feel is what defines what we end up doing in our life. And so he talks about being filled, he talks about growing, he talks about deepening and the knowledge, the insight, the wisdom of God's love. The wisdom of God's love, of God's character, of God's action, of what kind of specific relationship God is seeking to build in us. That faith is more than just an emotional reaction that happens within us. It's also uh, uh, something that includes our mind and our intellect and the way that we think. The way we think and the way we feel, all these things lead to uh, the decisions that we make and what we end up doing. I want you to be Hear this, what Paul says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's love so that you may be able to discern. You may be able to make good choices in your life. You may be able to know what is the moral good. You might be able to follow the path, the the narrow road that leads to life. You may not only know it, but as love grows, your understanding of it grows, you might also have the courage to actually make the choice and do what the moral good, the, the, the life that God would call you to live, would call you to do. It's grounded in love, it's more than an emotion and affection, but maybe most importantly, it's not a static relationship, but it's a dynamic relationship, which is again, a little bit different than how we often think about a relationship with God. A relationship with God has a beginning. But it has more than that. It's not an on switch. I'm in, I'm out. It's a dynamic relationship in which we pray by faith we are continually growing and deepening and strengthening. You heard all those words in those prayers that there's this lifelong journey of growing in this relationship with Jesus. It's not in or out, it's not on or off, it is a lifelong journey of growth and over and over and over again you hear Paul's emphasis. This is about growing in this dynamic relationship with Jesus. Now here's the good news of that. The good news is that you can stop comparing yourself to someone else. You can stop evaluating where you are in your life with God, your relationship with God, based on where someone else is. You can stop assuming, well, I guess I'm doing pretty good, or I guess I'm not doing very good because of where or how you perceive uh, someone else is doing in their life. That is a wholly unhelpful process. 
What is helpful is to hear from someone else what their perspective is. What's your life been like? What have you learned? How have you grown? What are some of the challenges that you've had in your life? It's important to share life with one another and to hear those things, to share those things. It's not helpful to assume that because, well, well, they're there. They're all the way down that road. They're, they're, they're four steps ahead of me, so I'm not doing very good. Or look at me, I'm two steps ahead of them, so I guess I'm doing pretty good. It's a lose-lose proposition. One leads to pride, the other leads to guilt and discouragement. And it's wholly unhelpful because the most important thing is not where you are. Most important thing is where are you heading? Which direction are you going? Are you moving closer to Jesus? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Are you, are you going in the right direction or are you, are you drifting or falling away? The most important thing is not where you are, it's where you're heading. You may be here today and you are just now beginning a relationship with Jesus. And that's okay. You may be here today and you're thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about beginning a relationship with Jesus. I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out, but you're not quite sure. That's okay. There's, there's perhaps a reason that you're here. You're continuing to learn and you're continuing to understand. You're growing in the knowledge, the, the wisdom of God's love. The most important thing is where you're, you're heading. And, and that is, that's the challenging news. Not, not the bad news, but here's the challenging news. The challenging news is the most important question in your life is not do you believe in God? The most important question in your life is not am I a Christian? I know that may sound strange, but hear me. The most important question in your life is not am I a Christian? The most important question that we might ask of our church or of our community or of our nation or of our world, the most important question is not how many Christians are there? The most important question is, am I in a growing relationship with Jesus? And how many of us are in a growing relationship with Jesus? How many of us would say, right now, I'm moving in a good direction. I'm growing, I'm deepening, I'm being strengthened. I'm, I am experiencing more and more of the power that the scriptures talk about, the power of the spirit living in me to, to actually lead the life that God is calling me to live. Am I in a growing relationship with Jesus? And I wonder what you would say to that question today. Now again, keep in mind, you're the honors class, okay? So I wouldn't do this every weekend, but you're at a place where you can ask this question. Are you in a growing relationship with Jesus? And I don't know the answer to that question for you, so don't assume that I do. I don't know if it's growing or I don't know if it's regressing, but I can tell you this, you're not standing still. And if you would say, well, we're doing pretty good, we're where we've been, you're not standing still. You are perhaps going to discover in a way that you don't want to discover that you've actually been taking steps back for maybe quite some time, that it's a relationship that is regressing, a love that is in some ways fading in your heart, your mind, your understanding. You're in a place you actually don't know you are because 
you're living with a myth that you could somehow stand still. You can't. It's a dynamic, growing, changing relationship. And like every relationship in your life, it needs focus, it needs attention, it needs care, it needs investment. If it's going to be a growing relationship, which is why Paul prays this prayer. It's why it comes up over and over again and what he's praying for all these different communities because Paul understood that that this, this is actually the goal of the Christian life. It's growing, always growing, always growing, always looking ahead for where God might be taking you, how God is leading you, how you are growing in your understanding, your knowledge. It's why we say one of our core values is that every one of us has a next step. You have a next step in your life. There are no finished products here. We are all works in progress. We're all pilgrims on the way. We're all at the end of the day uh, beggars who are in need of grace that only God can provide. We're all on the journey together and every single one of us has a next step. And if you want to live in a growing relationship with Jesus, one of the things we should all be asking ourselves is, what is my next step? What's your next step? What's the next thing that God would call you to do? In what way do you need to invest in this relationship so that you can say absolutely, affirmatively, I am right now in a growing relationship with Jesus. I am developing in my life the kind of joy that is becoming a very stubborn thing. Do you know what your next step is? I ask you that question for a couple of reasons. I ask you because again, I think that's how you know uh, if, if you're living in a growing relationship with Jesus. But I also ask it because as I was thinking about this week, uh, I was thinking about this question this week, particularly the next step, I thought, I'm not sure what mine is. And I should probably just share that with the church. As, as, as we think about how important this is, then I just want to share with you as your pastor, I'm not sure what mine is. And so what I want to invite you to do with me over the course of the next six weeks, which sounds like such a long time, right? Uh, It's a long time. Please say yes. A long time. Because in about six weeks, life's going to change again. And while you may not have kids in your house that are going back to school, it's just all of our lives tend to change with that movement, right? The movement of the calendar and we'll be back in school. But it's six weeks away. It's a long time away. So don't get discouraged. Summer's not over. But six weeks away. Over the course of this next six weeks, I wonder if you would join me in prayerfully considering what your next step is. What's the thing that God would call you to do? How, how God would call you to respond to the, to the question of what your next step might be? And let me just give you what might be a couple of different options of, of what that step might be. If you want to live in a growing relationship with Jesus and you have not yet been baptized, that's your next step. That's your desire. I want to live in growing relationship with Jesus and you haven't been baptized. Your next step is to get baptized. That's the only one I'll tell you definitively. That's the next step. Baptism is a mark of Christian discipleship where you make your commitment public to live your life as a follower of Jesus. And if you've not yet done that, for whatever reason that might be, maybe it's time to get baptized. I'll baptize you today. 
or, or we'll, we'll be happy to schedule that at any time. We'll do it here in our worship service. We'll do it at, at your house with your family. We'll do whatever you want to do. But if, that, if that's a step you haven't yet taken and you want to live in a growing relationship with Jesus, well, that one's pretty easy. It's time to get baptized. It's time to make that decision. It's time to publicly declare, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life. Maybe the next step for you is to commit to worship. Now again, you're in the honors class, so maybe you don't need to hear this one, but we have worship every seven days, not because we're bored, or I just sit around and go, gosh, I got more stuff to talk about. Everybody's got to come back together, but because we believe there's a rhythm to this life. So maybe the next step is worship isn't about does it fit into the weekend calendar. Worship is about my commitment to live in a growing relationship with Jesus. Do you receive the first 15 or you engage in any sort of devotional resource? The first 15 is something we produce to help you give the first 15 minutes of your day to God. If you haven't yet signed up to receive that, uh, it comes in your email, uh, maybe you might do that. Or if you're one of those who you sign up, uh, you've signed up, you receive it, but it's that email maybe you've started skipping past, you're out of that habit. Maybe it's time to recommit yourself to that practice. Maybe it's time to set a new expectation for your learning. Maybe the bar needs to be raised in your life. And and so uh, engaging with scripture is not something you're just gonna do in a a bite-sized piece in the morning or when you hear the pastor preach on the weekend, but maybe you're gonna engage in your own more significant reading or, or be a part of a Bible study this fall. Maybe, maybe you need to connect in community. Maybe it's time for you to do more than simply come and be in worship, but to actually connect with other people in a small group or a Sunday school class and begin sharing life with other people in an intentional way. Maybe there's a significant relationship in your life and it's been meaningful, but it's time for that relationship to take a next step. Maybe with that really close friend, it's time to say, how about we actually commit to praying for one another? And instead of just saying, I'll pray for you, maybe we're going to get together and we're going to start praying with one another every week because we know we need that in our life. Maybe it's time to start practicing generosity because you hear about that and you think, gosh, that would be a really good thing to do, but you haven't yet taken that step. Maybe it's time to start taking that step. Maybe, Maybe you need to find a place to serve whether it's here at, your, at the church or in your own neighborhood or at, at the school where your kids are a part of, maybe, maybe there's a place where God would call you to serve. Maybe it's time to try something new. In other words, if you're the kind of person who you will sign up for every mission opportunity, every service opportunity that we have, maybe it's time for you to not sign up for something, but rather spend an extra 30 minutes in the morning in solitude with God. Or if you're someone like me who would rather just be in solitude and, 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 and read the Bible by myself, maybe it's time to sign up to do something and to be active in a way that you haven't been active with your faith before. Maybe the answer isn't do more. Maybe the next step is you need to do less because there's no margin in your life. There's no margin for the relationships with other people that you have in your life. There's no margin in your life for your relationship with God. Maybe it's just one word. Maybe your next step is heal. Maybe your next step is rest. Maybe it's forgive. Restore. Stop. Move, speak, 
listen, give, or receive. Or maybe it's a particular fruit that God wants to cultivate in your life. Maybe it's peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, humility, love. All of us have to answer that question for ourselves. But I wanna challenge you to, to join me in an intentional season of prayerfully considering what that next step is. So that when we come to this question, we can say, absolutely. I'm living in a growing relationship with Jesus where joy and peace and patience and all the fruits that are the result of that, all of them are becoming very, very stubborn things in my life. Let's pray together. Loving God, today I pray that you would stir us from any sense of complacency that we may have in our life. That you, Lord, might today raise the bar for us or help us to do that for ourselves of what we might do, but also, Lord, that you might increase our expectation of what you can do in our life. That you would strengthen us with your power that we would know the presence of your spirit, that we, would, uh, that we would feel Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, that we would grow in our understanding of how wide and long and high and deep is your love, that your love might abound more and more in us so that we would be better able to discern what is best for us, what is best for others, that we may grow in purity and blamelessness, that holiness, Lord, would not simply be our expectation of another, but rather it would be the expectation we would have of ourselves, that we would be filled with the knowledge, with the wisdom, with the understanding of your character and your love so that, Lord, we might live a life that is worthy of you, worthy of your sacrifice, worthy of the the great gift that you have given to us. Strengthen us, grow us, fill us, give us endurance and patience, lead us into a life of joy that is a stubborn thing. All these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. On behalf